So we're thinking tonight about the death of Jesus, and um, we're kind of being fed as we go along. We're feeding on this story. Um, it's a long story. It takes up several chapters in each of the four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It takes up a third or nearly even a half of Mark's Gospel. Um, <clears throat> it's like eating a big meal. It takes time, and uh, it's a feast. And several courses are served, and several different kinds of food might be served. But then we get to the letters of the New Testament, and it's like, um, it's like after you exercise, a different kind of nutrition. Not sitting down and eating a long meal, uh, not several different kinds of food, but just a quick, concentrated dose of nutrition. Maybe you've had surgery and you need an IV. Maybe you've just been exercising and you need to put some energy back in, some calories. My son's cross-country coach always gave them chocolate milk after practice. Now, you don't need to eat, uh, drink chocolate milk all the time, right? You need to eat the big meals. But every once in a while, you need that concentrated dose of something to feed you. And tonight, two verses from Romans chapter 3 that give us a really concentrated dose of the meaning of what happened at the cross. Helps us to answer not only that question, what did happen at the cross when Jesus died, but another question, what happens now because of the cross? I want us to read together just two verses from Romans uh, chapter 3. It's in the middle of a, a long discussion of the fact that every human being um, has violated a sacred trust. We've been entrusted with this relationship with God and relationships with other people, and we have desecrated both. And we need something to make that right again. And God has done what was needed by sending his son and offering him as a gift and a sacrifice to atone for all that we've done wrong. This is Romans 3. All are justified. That's a word that means made right with the God who made us. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Why did God do this? He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, it's a very fancy word for patience, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Let's take a minute and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand what God is saying to us through his word. Holy Spirit, 
Help us to feed on truth about Jesus tonight. Some of us came here tonight wanting to feed on truth about Jesus because we, we love Him, we know Him, we trust Him, and we want to know Him better. Some of us came here tonight um, not very hungry, uh, knowing that truth about Jesus is good to feed on, but um, finding our appetite satisfied somewhere else right now instead. Holy Spirit, make us hungry for truth about Jesus again. And some of us came here not knowing that Jesus is someone who could be gracious to us. Some of us came here thinking that we're too bad to be loved by someone like Christ. Some of us came here thinking that we're too good need to be loved by someone like Christ. Holy Spirit, feed us truth about Jesus tonight, we pray in his name. Amen. What happened at the cross? Well, one way to answer that question is to say what Romans 3 says, that God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement. It's kind of showing us an, an image. Imagine the tabernacle that Israel had in the wilderness centuries ago. It's picturing God as the worshiper coming into the tabernacle, bringing a sacrifice and presenting that sacrifice. Um, this building is not a tabernacle, but if it were the lobby out there would be kind of this outer courtyard and you would enter through the courtyard and uh, bring your sacrifice and a priest would take it and slaughter it and put it on an altar, burn it. And then the priest might bring some blood from that sacrifice inside this room, the holy place. But no priest would go inside the holiest place, a smaller room. Um, and yet, and yet, the word that's used here to describe what God did talks about what happened inside the holiest place, the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. The translation we're using tonight, the NIV, the New International Version, says God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Um, if you read a different translation, it might say God presented Christ as a propitiation. That's a fancy word for a sacrifice that satisfies anger or wrath. The Greek word used there is hilasterion. And it's a word that has to do with that tabernacle. It's the word that people reading the Old Testament, once it had been translated into Greek, they would have read that word when they read descriptions of the Day of Atonement. Once a year, in the fall, August, September, it changed because it's based on the moon, there would be a, an important day in the life of Israel. 
the Day of Atonement, when the high priest, not just any priest, the high priest, would sacrifice a bull as a sign of his own sinfulness and his own need to be purified. And he would sacrifice a goat as a sign of the, the need for the people to be forgiven. And he would take blood from that bull and from that goat through the holy place and into the holiest place where the Ark of the Covenant sat. And on that Ark, a box, big fancy box covered in gold, was a lid. And that lid is sometimes known in English as the mercy seat. In German, it's the Gnadenstuhle. The, the, the throne of grace. And it was called, the word that's used here in our verse, the hilasterion. God presented Christ to be for the world everything that the Day of Atonement was for Israel. That's what happened at the cross. All right? So we need to understand a little bit more about that Day of Atonement. What was happening when God offered Jesus to be for the world everything that that day symbolized and represented for the people of Israel? First, Jesus became the pardon for our desecrations. Desecration means something is sacred and you have treated it like it was no big deal. You're entrusted with something sacred and you treated it like it was just something ordinary, meaningless. On the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, God was saying to his people, over the past year, you have defiled and desecrated and polluted my tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant inside it, and the altar where all the sacrifices were made. You brought, you brought animals that weren't fit for sacrifice. You came into my holy place unclean and unfit to worship me. You broke the commandments that sit inside that Ark inscribed on tablets of stone. You have defiled this sacred trust. You have treated my relationship with you like it was no big deal. Every human being is like this. Relationships are entrusted to us, and we treat them like they're just a way to get what we want. We make commitments to people, and we treat them like they're well, just optional. I'll keep those promises if I feel like it. But I don't really have to. I know those are sacred promises and vows I made. But I'm the one who gets to decide whether they mean anything or not. Or every day, people made in the image of God, the sacred trust, how will we treat God's image bearers? Well, like an interruption many times. Somebody who's just standing in the way of me getting stuff done. World-changing opportunities to forgive people, to love people, to be generous. We neglect them. 
Jesus said we have two priorities in life, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And we take those two sacred duties and deprioritize them as though they were less important than other things. Every one of us has desecrated sacred trusts. And at the cross, Jesus said, I am presenting my son to be a sacrifice so that all of that can be covered and cleansed and forgiven and made right. So that I can love you as though you had always treated every sacred trust with all, all of the beauty and love that it deserves. That's what happened at the cross. Jesus became the pardon for our desecrations. Any human being can be completely pardoned by trusting Jesus. What else? Jesus became the promise of our usefulness. We, we aren't Israelites living thousands of years ago, so we don't immediately see this connection. But if we were to go back and read about the Day of Atonement, we'd realize that one of the things God was doing through that rhythm annually, that Day of Atonement that came around once every fall, was saying, you know what? I gave this tabernacle, this ark, this altar, these sacrifices so that my people uh, could have a place of healing and blessing, a place of goodness in the midst of my people. And this tabernacle can't be that source of goodness it was meant to be. It's like a hard drive that's gotten corrupted with too much bad data. It's not useless, useful anymore. Maybe once it was useful, but it gets too corrupted. It gets too, too filled with junk. It slows down. And it's not a useful tool anymore. And it gets to the point that the more you use it, the more data you corrupt, the more corruption it causes. So God had planted himself among the people in the tabernacle so that life and love could flow out from him to them and then planted them among the nations so that life and love could flow out to the nations from them. But something has happened to corrupt the whole system so that it's no longer useful. All of that is restored. It was restored once a year through the rhythms of the Day of Atonement. And now the New Testament is saying to us, God presented Christ to be for the world everything that the Day of Atonement was for Israel. So that God's presence could fill anybody who trusts Jesus with life and love so that that can radiate out to the whole world not just one nation, not just one place on the planet. Anyone, anywhere who trusts Jesus has our hard drive restored. We've all corrupted our relational hard drive. And God is making it right again. Jesus has paid the price to repair it. 
rewriting all the corrupt data here with the good data that was in his own heart and expressed in his own life. Our usefulness to bring life and love to the world is restored because of what Jesus did at the cross, becoming for the whole world everything that that Day of Atonement symbolized. So what happens now? If that's what happened at the cross, what happens in us now because of what Jesus did on the cross? Here's some good news. The grace that God showed by offering Jesus as that kind of sacrifice for us, it destroys pride so that relationships can be restored. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote the letter of Romans to a church that was divided. We'll talk more about this on Easter Sunday. But here's the foretaste, the appetizer. There are Christians from Jewish backgrounds and Christians from other backgrounds in this church. And each of them thought, <clears throat> they're fake. <laughs> We're the real ones. And if they would just come over to view things the way we do, everything would be right with the church and the world. Listen to what God's sacrifice, presenting Christ to be our pardon and to restore us to usefulness, does to pride. He says, all are justified freely by His grace. Nobody is better than anybody else. Everybody needs the gift from God to be made right again. How is this received? It is received by faith. One group in the church couldn't look at other people and say, we're doing it better than you. You see what Paul is doing? He's saying, the church isn't unified by who's doing the right stuff, who's doing it most often, and who's doing it best. The church is unified by the grace of God offering his son to be a sacrifice for us, to be our pardon, and to restore us to usefulness. Again, if any of us are useful in the church or in the world, it's not because we're so great. It's because Jesus is transforming us. The power of what he did on the cross is making us new again. And that is the only thing that will keep us together. There's no room for any of us to say, I'm on the high ground looking down at you. There's no room for any of us to say, I don't need pardon as much as you do because you're really messed up, but I kind of got it together. There's no reason for any of us to say, I deserve forgiveness and you don't. What Jesus did at the cross levels the ground. <laughs> we are all just as needy. I can never act like the person who's easy to love dealing with the rest of you who are hard to love. It was hard for Jesus to love me. 
You know how I know that? God in his forbearance had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Had God never dealt with human sin before Jesus was crucified? Not completely, not fully. What about the flood in Genesis? That was a lot of suffering. What Jesus did on the cross was greater and more intense suffering than that? Yeah. What about when Israel forgot God and and they were sent into exile under the Babylonians? I remember lots of people dying. I remember Jerusalem being destroyed and burnt and the temple being wrecked. Wasn't that God dealing with sin? What happened to Jesus on the cross was more intense than even that? Yeah. The first time God ever treated someone the way our desecrations deserved was when he offered his son to be a sacrifice of atonement at the cross. It cost Jesus that much to love me. It's got to transform our relationships, doesn't it? I can't deal with you like I'm the easy person to love and you're the hard one to love. It costs Jesus a lot to love every one of us. I'm not the useful person having to tolerate the useless ones. If it weren't for Jesus, there would be no pardon. And I would be useless as far as giving out life and love to this world is concerned. But now because of Jesus, I'm free to extend to you the same grace that God extended to me when he presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. If I want to take part in this sacrifice, if I want to benefit from what Jesus did, what do I need to do? The scripture says, as a gift, I need to receive it. I don't earn it. I can't pay for it. I can't deserve it. All I can do is receive it. How? By faith. Not by doing something right. Not by going through a ritual. Just by trusting Jesus and saying, yeah, I've corrupted my hard drive. You're the only one who can erase it and rewrite it with perfection. Yeah, I've desecrated every sacred thing I've ever touched. You're the only one who can pardon me. Yeah, as far in life as life and love go, I've made myself useless. You're the only one who can make me useful again. Jesus, would you do those things for me? That's what it means to trust Jesus and to be part of what happened at the cross and what happens now because of the cross. Let's take a moment and pray together. For Jesus. Um, What a cost you had to bear. A price has to be paid when something sacred is defaced. A price has to be paid 
when love is broken. And you paid the price. And we thank you for that. Lord, help us to trust you and to love you. Make us ready to go do things that bring life and love to other people because you have loved us. We don't want to go do things to convince you that we deserve your love. But because you have given your love as a gift, we want to be ready to do all that you call us to. Make us ready, Lord Jesus, to trust you and to serve you and to love you every day. Amen.